Well, hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime here in Berks County. Beautiful global warming Saturday right here on AM Radio 11 AWFYL. We want to appreciate all, and we do appreciate all the listeners that tune in every Saturday morning. You've been tuning in for five years of this show because you know we're the source of authenticity and exactitude in Southeast Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley. So it doesn't matter, folks, if you live in Perky Omen or if you live in if you live in Jenkintown or Abington or Skidback. Folks, it doesn't matter because you're tuning in to us because you know we have the facts as you can only get here. And it comes so quickly at the speed of sound, and you're so adjusted and accustomed to getting these truths at the speed of sound. So thanks for being with us today. Today we've got with us again Catherine Cox. She's back with us today. She's she's a, a small businesswoman as well as a mother of six children. So uh, welcome back to the show, Catherine. Thank you, Clay. It's great having you back. Listen, we're going to talk a little bit about some stuff. First off, there's some stuff we're going to get into. The House Judiciary Committee is requesting documents over, why don't we just say, privacy rights of Americans, okay, Bank of America. We're going to talk a little bit about the Durham report, and uh, now Durham himself is going to publicly testify to Congress. I think that's going to be delicious. We're going to get into the, or- we're going to get into the Oregon GOP walkout in the uh, House uh and their house deliberation as the Oregon communists are stripping parents from parental rights all across Oregon. And we're going to get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about some polling numbers and how weak the uh, front runner is and, and, you know, how Joe Biden is so weak. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about weak and trying to find a, try to steer out of a headwind, but weak as far as the world leadership as well. Um, and we're talking about that and some polling information and a whole lot more. So let's jump right into it. Now, the House Judiciary Committee is basically looking at inquiring with the Bank of America CEO, Brian Moynihan, requiring documents and communications surrounding their their decision to provide the the FBI with their customers' private banking information voluntarily without any legal process so they're going to be getting into that um that just sounds wrong on the surface doesn't it Catherine? well it sounds like they're offering up personal information that doesn't belong to them that's right that's right that's not their information to give away that's right you know the judiciary committee chairman jim jordan and subcommittee uh on and subcommittee on the administrative state regulatory reform and antitrust chairman thomas massey he's the guy out of kentucky they sent the letter to bank of america after fbi whistleblowers testified that the bank provided a list of anyone who used their services in washington dc regardless of whether or not they participated or they were there at the courthouse um i just thought that was interesting so we have what we call that. They would call that. That is not what we would call a targeted warrant. Would you say that's targeted? Would they say anybody that was in Washington using your services? Yeah, <laughs> that's not exactly targeted, is it? You know, no. probable cause in the Fourth Amendment. I believe it's the Fourth Amendment, but it you have to have probable cause for a law enforcement agency to search you or investigate you. This first off, there's got to be a crime. And then, of course, they have to prove 
that to get a warrant against you, you have to prove that you were involved in some capacity in the in the committing of that crime. It, so that they have to prove you a link to that in some capacity. Then, of course, if you were to what capacity? Because the because a judge or a district attorney, they're the ones that determine whether or not a warrant is issued. So, if a crime's committed. Your involvement in, in the alleged crime is going to be determined by a district attorney or a judge, and they, they in turn, by measuring that, they determine to what length or extent you had involvement. They determine what the warrant is going to be. And then, of course, then of course, even in addition to that, the warrant's got to be specific. In other yep. words, like you can't go into somebody's house for a warrant to like the government can't go into a house to lay a warrant down unless they have probable cause to go in there. Like I said, it's not a home and gardens tour. They have to target it into where they can go and where they can put the warrant. Everything's specific. Everything is. So yeah. that being said, what we had was we had we had Bank of America, okay, providing a list of anyone who used their services in Washington, D.C. that day. That is not okay. Yeah, and that's the nicest way I can say that. Yeah. That's, that's not okay. That's an infringement on our rights. That's an that's infringement right. on, on our privacy. Well, it does remain unclear if Bank of America voluntarily provided uh, the, the transaction data to the FBI the field office or if, they, or if they complied with a bulk subpoena. But I would submit, and again, I don't think there, I mean, there's no way you can do that. There is no such, they cannot pull banking information from just anybody just for the heck of it. And, you know, no. I remember back in, of course, I remember where I was in September 11th, okay, the infamous day where they, they evaporated yeah. the lives of 3,000 people, those terrorists, as they, as they demolished our Twin Tower buildings. But... I remember after that the the discussion on the Patriot Act, and I remember me as a conservative being okay because at the time thinking, okay, well the FBI they still got to get FISA warrants, and you got to go past the FISA judge. You still need probable cause, but it's not hard to find probable cause on a terrorist. I'm thinking, okay, so that'll be easy. Little did I know, 20 years later or less than that, 18, 17 years later, they'd be they'd be submitting a phony FISA warrant. For a phone to the FISA court, fudging, okay, Carter Page's involvement as a CIA operative so that they could get the FISA warrant on Carter Page. Because, of course, if they were, if it was known and reported that he was a CIA operative, they couldn't have done that. So they literally lied on it. And the Durham report proved that. And because of the Durham report, we're going to get to that in a minute, but because of the Durham report, they actually had. Uh, uh, the FBI was actually indicted in the Durham report. I mean, we know what happened there. Okay. And, and, uh, I mean, that was an indictment of the FBI. Wouldn't you say, uh, Catherine? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there was a direct link between the president of the Brookings Institute. Okay. Which is a liberal think tank, the Clinton campaign, the DNC and the Steele dossier. There was a link between all of them. Okay. And uh, this was sold to the FBI with collaborators within the FBI. Comey and McCabe and Peter Strzok, they created the package to sell to the FISA court. Igor Danchenko, okay, he's also been indicted. Well, he was a friend of Fiona Hill's. And she was a Fiona, she was a Fiona, 
he was Fiona Hill's former research assistant. Fiona, Fiona Hill, in addition to conjuring up the Ukrainian phone call at peace, remember that? I love the way Trump refers to it as the perfect phone call. Yes. <laughs> you know, I love Trump. It's the perfect call. It's the perfect phone call. Everybody remembers my perfect call with the Ukrainian. So anyway, she was a uh, White House staffer who connected Christopher Steele to Igor Danchenko to allow the dossier to get to the FBI. So Fiona Hill connected Charlie Dolan, who was a Clinton operative, to Igor Danchenko. Fiona Hill, okay, uh, she also has problems because she lied to Congress, but all of this came out in this in, in you know in Durham's report. And again, Sussman was indicted. Sussman was indicted. Sussman, okay, represented the Clinton campaign, the DNC law firm, and Fusion GPS. Okay, because Sussman represented that. Okay, so he, he they channeled tens of millions of dollars to create and, per, and perpetuate the biggest fraud in American history. So Sussman took the, ho the hoax that the phony, the phony claim to Jaffe to the FBI directly to Jim Baker, who was the chief counsel. So Jaffe hand-delivered this hoax to Sussman, who was the lawyer for the Clinton campaign. So Sussman was indicted. So the Clinton campaign was indicted. When Sussman was indicted, the Clinton campaign was indicted. Yeah. Now, Kevin Kleinsmith, okay, was the FBI attorney that was indicted. John Durham had him indicted. I don't want I want our listeners to understand there were indictments from the Durham the Durham investigation. We know this. And the reason Catherine and I are bringing this up to our listeners is because right now on the fake news they're being told that there was no there there with the Durham report. But there were indictments that resulted from the Durham report. And, oh, yeah. and, yes. And as I mentioned, Sussman was an attorney for the Clinton campaign. He was indicted. So the Clinton campaign, in essence, was indicted. And Kevin Kleinsmith was the attorney for the FBI. So when he was indicted, okay, for lying to the federal court with his story to get, you know, the phony story to get the FISA warrants, he actually altered the FISA the, the reports. So when Kevin, when Kevin Kleinsmith altered those reports to get the FISA warrant, he too was indicted. So when he was indicted, the FBI was indicted. Don't miss this, folks. So when, now when I look at the FBI, I go, oh my goodness. I mean, this is what they did. And John Durham, okay, put all of this together. So, you know, Kleinsmith was indicted. We know that. And we know Andrew McCabe. But, of course, Andrew McCabe was rewarded with a TV contract, right, a, as a fake, as a, one of those fake experts on MSNBC, uh, James Comey was also one that was put on there. James Clapper and, and John Brennan, they all lied to Congress. I mean, they lied from everything to Congress about whether or not they were spying on the senator's phone calls or whether, I mean, everyone lied to everybody. And what, what reward did they get? They got contracts with MSNBC and CNN. I mean, Is it go ahead. Do you ever just wonder when Americans became so blasé about their freedom and who they have in charge of their country? That's exactly right. When do you when do you think that happened? When when do you think we became so blasé about it and just 
oh, well, they'll take care of us for us. That's not what our constitution's supposed to be. No. You know, it's interesting. And I remember uh, a good friend of mine made a comment about the Constitution. You know, you, I mean, I, again, I've only really been involved in politics for maybe for about 15 years, maybe. I mean, I always voted, but I'm much more involved politically. Um, you know, Catherine and I were talking about this uh, some time ago off the air. But, you know, I got involved because parental rights I saw were being eroded in our schools. And that motivated me politically. And of course, when Barack Hussein Obama tried to outlaw my private health care, that also <laughs> that also mm. motivated me to get involved. So, you know, there's a lot of things that flip your switch. And those were my two switch flippers. OK, uh, but but anyway, I think what but I always believed the FBI was a good organization, sort of like Efren Efren Zimbalist Jr.'s FBI. I used to love watching that show as a kid growing up watching it. And you always respected that. And now you've actually got the deep state involved in phony dossiers and and phony indictments. I mean, now they're 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 storm they're storm they're acting like stormtroopers running through the house of our of our favorite president. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love watching Red Trump when Trump does his shows. When Trump does his uh, he does his uh, his rallies. He goes, everybody, your favorite president's here. You know, I mean, but it's really amazing to me that they're they went after him. I mean, I'm blown away by this. I mean, the Ukrainian call that was another giant setup. Yeah, and you know how you know Trump was. You know how you know that Trump. How our listeners and us, all of us together, we can all know that Trump was fully aware of the setup before he got on the phone with the Ukrainian president. You know how Trump knew. You know how we know that Trump knew? Not because Trump said he knew, but because he had the call transcribed. He actually had a transcriber transcribe the call. Yeah, that was pretty darn cool. Well, he did that because he knew. I mean, you don't normally have those calls transcribed, but he did. So he knew there was a setup. Yeah, he, knew. he absolutely knew. That's right. That's why he calls it the perfect call, because he saw to it that it was a perfect call. <laughs> <laughs> well he knows that what they were going to try and do to him and he wasn't going to deal with that so he did it back well not did it back but got them back mm -hmm. he stunned them yeah. back what he did i agree <clears throat> but what you're seeing right now in durham and it's really interesting because he's going to publicly testify to congress now and you know he's going to appear for, for two hearings in june um you know, after he released this report that's been all over the news that the that the fake news is trying to to water down. But he's going to testify publicly before the House Judiciary Committee on June 21st at 9 a.m. And he's going to appear before the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence the day before. But he's going to do that behind closed doors. But he's expected to discuss the report that he published and released, or that was released, that he published, which revealed how the FBI was indicted. And they failed to uphold their standards according to the high-profile the high profile crossfire hurricane investigation. I remember when Trump first released the term crossfire hurricane, and he said it, and you should have seen the Senate. Oh, my goodness. They were, you could just see all these people going electric. 
because that was all about this phony stuff that went around. But you know, it's it's you know, we we look at we look at these standards and we look to see how the how the FBI proceeded illegally here, and it does rattle the cages of of Americans like ourselves. I mean, I mean, who who's left to trust the FBI, Catherine? Who's there? No one's there. No one's there. That's why I don't understand. That's why I said I don't understand how we've become so complacent to where we've left corruption and tyranny in every level of our government, every single level, Clay. Right. How are we supposed to fix that? How are we supposed to get that out? That's what I don't understand why everyone's so blasé and blind to. Well, they're supposed to, they're supposed to make the case. They're supposed to make the case. And I mean, Adam Shifty was was claiming that he saw the evidence. So he's on record saying he saw the evidence. And John Durham's report said there is no evidence. So now Adam Shifty is being called to testify as to what he was talking about. They're actually looking to remove him from Congress. They should. Yep. They should remove him. They should they should remove a lot of people from Congress because they're just there illegally. They're not there to be a part of our country and help us become better. They're there just to hold us down and make us weak so that we think we need them. You know, what they don't understand is that we are, in fact, still Americans, and we're still very stubborn. You know what's really amazing, and I want to discuss, I'm going to dovetail something else into this conversation. I was watching uh, a video of uh, a woman that was pulled over for speeding in, in uh, Roswell, Georgia. So she's pulled over for speeding, and these two police officers that pulled her over, uh, they pulled her over and they uh, they were really like quick and tempered with her. You know, you could see where they were just mean to her. And um, she's sitting there, you know, you can just see her. She's just a mom and she's off to work and she's running late. She was speeding. So the first officer that does the pullover, she's, the officer goes over. She says, well, you realize you were speeding. You were driving. You must have been doing at least 80 miles an hour through here. So now she didn't know exactly what the speed was, although there's no there's little question the woman was speeding. She was driving in a 45 zone and uh, she was doing at least 20 miles over. So, and th- there wasn't any real dispute, but there was a dispute whether or not she was doing 30 miles or 35 or 40 miles over, like the cops said she was. So, anyway, they, they get her driver's license and they get the keys to her car, believe it or not. They go back to her, go, she goes back to her cruiser and it does, you know, that to get on the computer and do her investigation. Now, there's another cop there. Now, there's two of them, all right? So the one cop says to the other one, so um, I guess she, she did a coin flip. You know, there's an app that you can actually have on your phone that's a coin flip app. We've and gotten it, that lazy. We just can't flip a coin ourselves? Well, well, she did a coin flip app, and she does it. Now, she flipped the coin. Heads, the woman's going to go to jail. Tails, the woman gets cited. So she flipped the coin, and it came up heads. The woman was going to be arrested. So now they go back to the car to arrest this poor lady on her way to work. And you can see this woman now, for speeding. And, and now, now Georgia, just so our listeners understand, has some really whacked out laws on, on traffic. For instance, here in Pennsylvania, only the state troopers use radar. They don't use radar in the townships and, and, and municipalities uh, throughout PA, just the state troopers do. And they also have to clock you. You have to actually be clocked in Pennsylvania to get a ticket. So the cop can clock you by riding alongside you or watching you pass through a zone. 
or again, they can use a, a you know, the radar, but only state police use those. So, but in Georgia, it's all up. It's done by observation too. I mean, they can use radar. They can use clocking. But they can also say, look to me like it was doing 65 and a 45, you know? So yeah. it's really kind of crazy. So they, so they pulled this lady and they arrested her. So make a long story short, this poor woman on her way to work, trying to make a living. And you know, we've all been there trying to pay your bills, trying to just get to work and, and do your thing and provide for your family. And you know, cause you could see she's off. You never, she got up that morning racing and whatever. And she realized I got to get to work on time. She races down the road, broke the law, was speeding. Well, she gets arrested. Well, I guess because, uh, they get somebody because of the conversation she had with some people in her in her her circles of her world they they request she had an attorney who requested the public record of the police video and from the public record they could see that the police officers were laughing behind the scenes and making fun of the fact they're going to arrest this poor lady and actually flipped the coin to do it and the the chief of police fired both of those officers well guys charges on that woman so that was the good news but I guess the reason I told the story is because watching the FBI doctor up these these charges, or watching them go into Trump's home to get documents that they know they could have gotten, all they had to do was ask for them. And what's really compelling on all of this is that you're watching the abuse of the justice system, the arrest, the arrest, the power of the arrest. A police mm. officer has the power to arrest. But they better know when they make an arrest that there better be a legitimate reason, probable cause. That's what a reason is. Yep. Arrest. So when an FBI issues a warrant, there better be a good reason, good probable cause as to why they issue the warrant. When you see law enforcement arrest people for speeding, and obviously, thankfully, the chief of police over there was was a, a very uh, a dutiful a committed citizen of his of his community because he fired those two cops and as I well he should have as well he should have i think you and i are on the same page i'd have fired those cops in a nanosecond watching them flip a coin i can't even believe they did it yeah that's that yeah. enraged me to see the video i was enraged i'm telling him sitting going, i don't believe they did this i mean the cost of an arrest the humiliation of an arrest all oh my things God. because of speeding and she was the best person. You could see when she was weeping. She was so sad. And they were just nasty. I, anyway, I, they got fired. But these what? police officers also are going to, these FBI officials and the FBI is going to, see what Trump's going to do, Catherine, if he gets elected again, and I believe he will, is the FBI will be dismantled in a sense that he will move them out of Washington, D.C., They'll probably yeah. put him in a town like Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> you see, and that'll get him out of the uh, the elitist army, if you will. And then he'll fire some of these muckety mucks, and he'll put in some people that, well, that want to, you know, follow the the, the legal letter of the law, if you will, but <clears throat> not be used politically any longer. And you may see Congress actually pass a law describing. What illegal use of the FBI looks like. Because I think, as you stated, we've got some people that have become blase on what it looks like, don't we? 
Yeah, we do. I mean, I know what corruption. I know what corruption looks like when I see it. Now, defi- yeah. that defining it's going to have to be the trick of the congressman. But I'll tell you, Trump's got a plan to dismantle this, and they know it. They're terrified. Uh, do you think they're terrified of DeSantis, or do you think they're terrified of Trump? Quite frankly, I think they're terrified of both. Yeah, and if I were them, I would be terrified of both. I do too, but I I think they're more terrified of Trump. I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Absolutely. I do agree with you. DeSantis would be an awesome president. But yeah. but I think it's going to take a guy like Trump to win. I'm not I, sure. I, yeah. I, I think that you're right. However, I do think that DeSantis does have what he needs to have to be able to win as well. And that little stuff with Martha's Vineyard, I, I mean, that put him right there. Yeah. Why don't you tell our listeners what that stuff was? Remind our listeners what happened. Well, um, some illegal immigrants needed a place to go. So DeSantis said, well, here, climb on this plane and I'll take you to a very nice place to go. So he took him to Martha's Vineyard because they're sanctuary. That's right. And they, they threw him fit and said, we don't have places for them. We don't have food for them. Mind you, this is one of the richest areas in our country. We didn't have, you know, what it took to take care of them. So they loaded them up on buses and sent them to a military base. Well, what I think is interesting is so much for sanctuary status because they actually rounded people up. I mean, what's really interesting is... Um, <clears throat> You know, they, they, they're um, open borders for thee, but not for them. Okay. Yeah. Now, the testimony, again, getting back to a little bit, I want to get back to the Bank of America thing. So what's going to be interesting is what's alarming, okay, according to the uh, FBI employees, okay, Bank of America provided without any legal process private financial information of Americans to the FBI. That's that's not that that's not okay. That's right. That's, and I think that's, that's illegal. That's right. And now, why 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 is this allowed? Why isn't anyone doing anything about that? Well, Republicans are doing something about it. They are. They're going to be bringing these people, and they're going to make this. But what's interesting is what happens when the Justice Department gets into the wrong hands. Well, we're seeing what happens, aren't we? Yeah. You really can't call them a justice department anymore, can you? No, we call them a no justice department is what you call them. Yeah, yeah. But it appears yeah. it appears no individualized nexus to particularize criminal conduct was even called out, but rather a data dump of Bank of America customers' transactions over a three-day period. So it was more of a data dump. It wasn't any specific particularized criminal conduct that they were looking for. They just wanted a data dump. They wanted to know who was there. So the information undoubtedly included private details about Bank of America customers who had nothing at all to do with the events on January 6th. They weren't even there. Or they weren't there. They were there, obviously, doing bank transactions. But they weren't at the Trump event. And so what makes it even worse, so Bank of America specifically provided information about citizens who exercise their Second Amendment right to purchase a firearm. That was another thing that Bank of America... Yes. So now the lawmakers in Congress, and Republicans, Jim Jordan and his his friends, um, are um, 
are asking Bank of America to provide the, the Judiciary Committee with all the documents and communications relating to the provisions of financial records to the FBI. Okay, so they're asking for this. Um, and they're calling it the Weaponization Subcommittee. I just love it. Because they actually have a subcommittee that they call, they call now the Weaponization Subcommittee. What the Weaponization Subcommittee in Congress, which has been established as, it's there to identify when, when, you know, government agencies are weaponized. Now, isn't that something? So we just created a subcommittee to call these people out on behalf of citizens. So they're, uh, they're basically requesting this information, you know, from Bank of America. And again, but, but back, uh, you know, back then, um, I want to say, uh, there was a, there was an FBI whistleblower went out. He testified to Congress that there was no geolocation fencing regarding the, the uh, the data mining of Americans purchasing firearms. So, in other words, when they issued the warrant, if you will, or when they gave them information, there was no geocoding fencing. And as I said earlier, these warrants have to be specific. So if there's a warrant, they're going to say, okay, you want a warrant, give me specifically who are you warning? Who do you want to measure their purchases? Who are you looking at? Right. And in, in no way and no how should any private industry be giving the FBI Okay, information on their customers' purchases without a warrant. No, okay, unless unless a crime was exactly committed and there was a warrant for it. Now it's not it's not on a particular customer. Even if the if the FBI had asked me, said I need information on these five people, they might have gotten it. Okay, even without the warrant. But this is like not that at all. This is like a, a fishing this expedition. Is like, this is that. Yeah data mining of American purchases. It's a fishing expedition of, of every and all who made a purchase. Yeah. That's what we can't miss. There is There was absolutely no fencing at all, no geolocation fencing, no kind, no kind of fencing at all. There was no target at all. It was just data mining at its worst on behalf of the FBI. They wanted to know who made purchases. Now, I can tell you right now, that's just not right. No. And, um, I, I mean, that's what's amazing to me. And I just wanted our listeners to understand that, um, you know, that the FBI. So when we talk a little bit about the FBI and what they did to Trump, it's what they're still doing to Americans. They're, you know, you were talking about the Constitution. I started to bring up the and the notion of the Constitution. We got to remember the Constitution to many Jacobin revolutionaries, you know, the people that hate this country. All right, those people, those Jacobin revolutionaries, those communist socialists that we're that you know that we're 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 working against, it's just a piece of paper to them. There's no significance behind it. And that's and yet, that's bad. Well, it, it's just that the the Constitution is just a piece of paper to some people. To people like us, it's the law. And thank God that we have the Supreme Court. You see, the founders of this country put this republic together, which I believe was first noted by Plato, okay, uh, sometime in B.C., okay, when Plato was around in Greece. But, I mean, um, it was like put together, it was like some sort of a form of government that the Greeks were talking about or some Greek philosophers were talking about. But it wasn't anywhere. There were no republics anywhere, real republics. Now, some would argue that the Roman Empire was, in fact, a republic. Some would argue that. 
Um, I would probably say not like the Republic we're used to, although a rule of law, see, a Republic is a rule of law country. You have to have a constitution, a rule of law that's directed, and the establishment of laws themselves are also governed by the law. In other words, you just can't make laws willy-nilly. Everything's right. governed by the rule of law in a republic. There is no mob rule in a republic. That's what makes our government so particularly special. And when we when we have people call this a democracy, it's really concerning to me and others like well, like our listeners here in Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. It's 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 alarming to all of us because this is not a democracy. This is a republic. And I think it's the Marxist Jacobin revolutionaries, Catherine, that would like this to be a democracy so they can have more of their roughshodding ways. What do you think? I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. I think that they're trying to make people believe that our country is something that it's not. And the, <clears throat> the lack of respect for such a document is atrocious. That document was created, it, it, it was it was divine intervention. There was absolutely no way that all you can tell me that God did not have his hand in this creation of this document. You know, it's funny you said that. All of those people right there at that time. That's right. What, how often does that happen? He specifically put those people there That's right. to get this done. And now we sit here and we... We, for our lack of a better word, we crap on it. Well, you know, I had uh, on this on this show. I believe I even brought it up on a few shows ago, but some time ago, I believe that the, that the Constitution was divinely inspired. I believe that people in this country that wrote the Constitution were divinely inspired to write this document. Absolutely, and I, there's no doubt about it. I, I make comments, and I I know political. Republicans who don't believe that, and it's amazing. I, I looked at them, and they profess to be Christians, and they sit there and say, you know, that, you know, I, I went to this university, I went to this school, I'm, I'm professing to be this, but they don't believe that this country is divinely inspired. I said, well, how, I don't know how you get to that point. I don't know how you believe that this country was not divinely inspired. When you look at the very miracle of the, of, of the Plymouth Rock settlement, and how the the Indian that 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 was here, the Native American Indian that helped the pilgrims get through that first winter, that Amer that that American Indian, that Native American spoke English. That very how about that? He was the <laughs> only. That's right. He was the only Indian on this continent that spoke English at the time, and the only Native American that spoke English at the time happened to be. In Plymouth Rock. At yeah. The, at the precise moment that the pilgrims needed direction on how to get through the first winter. Don't miss that miracle, folks. Don't miss it. That's like yeah. the, that's like the donkey talking in Numbers 21. <laughs> I mean, the donkey suddenly talking, or that's a that's like that's like Samson slaying thousands with the jawbone of a donkey. Okay, you're wondering, how did these miracles take place? It's like a Davy and Goliath, okay? It, it's, they're miracles of the Bible. The miracles occur because God's intervention. I believe God intervened at that precise moment for this country. 
And when yes. you look at the Constitution, when you look at the fact that this country was founded, what's interesting, too, our revolution was not the haves versus the have-nots. It wasn't. That was the French Revolution, but wasn't here. Our revolution was literally the haves, those that had the means, along with the have-nots, trying to secure for this country, okay, uh, representation, okay, for taxation. Basically, it was, we want better representation, okay? They wanted to yeah. get away from the king's edicts. And, I mean, to, for lack of a, of a more simpler phrase to put it, but the bottom line, it was this, our revolution was basically, I mean, the haves, those that had the means, led the revolution. Think about it. Those that signed the Declaration of Independence. They all had means. All those people had money. They had fortunes. Yeah. They all had fortunes. And they all gave up their fortunes for the good of this country. All of them did. So I, I just think, you know, when you look at the specialness of this nation, you look out and, you know, uh, here we are Memorial Day weekend giving remembrance to those who gave the supreme sacrifice for this nation. We all give thanks for those who served this country and gave the supreme sacrifice for their nation. You know, I, when, when you look at as well, those who gave up the supreme sacrifice for the formation and development and establishment of our country. Don't miss that. And I, I just think, you know, the FBI was an organization that came together back in the 30s, and it was to combat the public enemies, if you will, like the John Dillingers, because they were <clears throat> raising all kinds of havoc, robbing and stealing and killing. And mm. the law enforcement at the time was not armed to combat such villains. They just weren't. I mean, they didn't have the armament. I mean, when you think about it, what funded law enforcement back then? The police officers at the time were sort of like militias. They really didn't make any money. <laughs> and those that paid them, they weren't very, they didn't make a lot. So the cars they drove didn't have the horsepower. They certainly didn't have the guns they needed to outgun their opponents, to outgun the enemy. So it was, I mean, what made Dillinger so successful, Bonnie and Clyde so successful, was they actually outgunned the local police officers at the time. Believe it. Yeah. Gunned them. At more calibers that they were throwing at them in the bullets. And it wasn't until the FBI figured out how to get Dillinger and obviously Bonnie and Clyde, they got him for crossing state lines. They wrote that up and said they crossed state lines. It's a crime. It's an interstate crime. We're involved. And when the FBI got involved in that brought down the, 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 the public enemy number one. You know, so the FBI is a very, very needed organization. I think we all can say that we appreciate the, the sacrifice many of those agents have made. But looking at how right now they're being infiltrated by well, by people that, that are looking to weaponize the FBI and use them to to get illegal warrants or to do illegal searches or to get information illegally. I mean, th this is where we're at, folks. It used to be that if a court, if a judge had deemed that evidence was gained unlawfully, i.e. without a warrant, that evidence was not admissible in court. Exactly. You know, today, I think it's a little different uh, it, now it's like, okay, well, you know, to me, I, I don't know. I, I just see things. They're overlooking how they obtained evidence. Was there probable cause? Why did you go into this? You know, why did you get information on the, on the purchasing of Americans in DC? Was it, was it something specific? What was your reasoning? Yeah, I'd like to know that. Although 
I don't know that they could give me a reason that would justify a fishing expedition on everyday citizens that haven't done anything wrong. No, I agree. I agree. So I'm really concerned as to what they would be able to say to justify that. Well, I agree with you. And I think uh, that leads me to the next topic I want to get into with it's artificial intelligence. Okay. Artificial intelligence, AI. AI is, is artificial intelligence. And basically it's intelligence perceiving, synthesizing, and, and interfering information demonstrated by machines as opposed to intelligence displayed by humans or by other animals. So, I mean, uh, tasks in which this is done might, might include things like speech recognition, computer vision, translation between languages, as well as other mapping inputs and so on. But artificial intelligence is being used now by Google. So Google is now making artificial intelligence a foundational aspect of their ads. And again, for years, it's it's been quietly helping in background supporting advertisers and maximizing their time and their return on investment for their advertising. So now Google Ads is going to intensify its efforts to incorporate more artificial intelligence into its core business areas, such as internet search and digital advertising, as it faces mounting competition. So what's interesting in all of this is that, you know, and what my concern is, you know, that this information that they gather, will it be turned over illegally? (laughs) Your searches, will they be turned over illegally to law enforcement? I mean, with all this that's going on right now, this should concern Americans as are they laying down their rights for privacy? What do you think, Catherine? I think they are. I think with every time we don't pay attention and wake up and question what's happening, it's another thing that's gone. And this AI thing, that that scares me and it should scare everybody else. It, it's not, you can't put AI in place of a human. It's just not possible. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care about anything that you say that AI would be able to provide. No, it does not outrank a human. It just doesn't. Right. There, there's no way. And that that human eye, that human ear, that human instinct can never be put into AI. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's called uh, local knowledge or whatever. But I mean, obviously, the, anything they can do to enhance advertising is good. But I, I think that my whole thing is if it's data, if it's gathering information, that information can also be can be released without a warrant. And and there needs to be protections. It just seems to me that the Supreme Court is very slow to rule on this stuff. I mean, it's pretty apparent. They should not be releasing. No organization should release anything on its customers without probable cause. No. Okay. I mean, in, in, I'm, I'm, in all honesty, I'm sure Google has been selling our information from day one. Right. I would be surprised. I, I would be hard pressed to believe anyone that said that they were not, especially because you can look something up on the computer and then you go on Facebook and, oh my gosh, look, there's all the ads for exactly what you were looking up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but but what's interesting is what people don't realize, okay? Like if you went and purchased gas at a gas station and you were there and a crime happened, a crime took place and you saw it and you're making your purchase, okay, you got your credit card, you put it in the machine and you witnessed a crime. You saw it happen. And you get in your car and you go. Now, do you have a responsibility to call the police? I think everyone has a public duty for that. 
Yes. So if the police were searching and going, okay, we see this person purchased gas here. They had to see what happened. Get a hold of this person here. Find out who they are. Reach out to them and see what they can do to learn from it. So they might contact the gas station to find out the customer, get the records. You know, you but you in that case, you have probable cause. You have the fact that a crime took place and that you have the need to get the information on that person. You could receive a warrant. There's no way that a warrant would be avoided there. A judge would be like, because you're pulling somebody in for questioning, not because they're guilty of a crime, but because they're going to help you solve a crime. So there there could be a warrant there to get the information, but the warrant would be limited to getting you the name and information on who that is. Not information to go through their house or to go through their car or to go through their account information, to go through their purchases, just to find out who they are so you can call them and say, hey, I'm so-and-so from the police. I saw that you were outside here. You made some gas purchase at this place. Uh, you, did you see this crime take place? What can you tell me? If that citizen said to the cops, I am not talking to you. I don't care. I'm not getting involved today. There's nothing that cop can do to increase the search parameters for that person. I mean, I don't think that any judge would issue a warrant to increasing the, the, the parameters of a search for that person. Because they didn't commit a crime, they simply witnessed something, and it's their right to not have to to not have to talk to the police. In this country, you don't have to do that, right? You know, and it's just an interesting thing. But but they could have gotten the initial information. So I guess my whole point on on AI is, if it's just a matter of saying, look, uh, they made a purchase here. This this same credit card was used six months ago to purchase this. What can you tell me? Who are you? There may be a warrant. It could maybe be a warrant issued to find out more about a purchase. But again, without linking you directly to the crime, there's no way they're going to be able to compel you to speak to them. And even if they could link you to the crime, the, you're, you're protected under the Constitution. They'll not have to incriminate yourself. So you don't have to talk to the cops. You know, Precisely. So it's, really, it's really interesting. So our laws are there to protect our rights from an overreaching government. And it looks to me like right now there's nobody looking to protect anybody from an overreaching government, but instead they're looking to enhance the reach arm, if you will, of the overreaching government. You know what I'm saying, Catherine? Yeah, because unfortunately in this country, and well, anywhere as human beings, you get, you take an inch and inevitably you're going to go a mile, two, three. So whereas you're saying that this person you know, because there was a crime committed at this gas station, so they should be able to dump the credit card receipt to see who was there. There's a, also, could you look at the cameras? You can look at the cameras and get license plates from the cars that were there. Yep. If, Do you if, have if, to really go through someone's personal information? That's right. But, I mean, and that's per se that they couldn't get it from the cameras. But I agree with you. The bottom line is a judge would ask just what you just asked. Is there any other way to get this information to who these people are other than having yes. to go through it? See, there used to be. The only protection you get is a district attorney saying you don't have a right or you do have a right. And the Constitution is our guarantee. So what it comes down to is, you know, you're protected from an overreaching government, but you cannot give up that right. So if you're sitting there, you're talking to the police willingly. Well, then you just gave up your right. You didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, if they knock on the door, say, we want to talk to you about something. Do you have a warrant? Are you going to compel me to come out and talk to you? Well, no, we we just thought you. Well, I'm not talking to you without a warrant. Have a nice day. You could do that. Whether you're guilty yes. or not, you have the right yes. to not have to talk to the police. Yes, you do. You absolutely have that right. Unless they have a warrant, you absolutely have that right. And quite frankly, like you had stated earlier, warrants are very specific. 
Just because you have a warrant doesn't mean you can go through someone's entire house, their entire life. It only can pertain to that, the reasoning for the warrant. Right. And the reason for that is because our founding fathers knew how easy it would be for someone to take over and do the overreach that was happening to them. Exactly. They were looking to protect us from an overreaching king. Okay. So this, I I 100%, it's interesting you pointed it, you gave it that perspective because that's exactly what it is. But the warrants, and again, you have to have a crime that was committed. and, And of course, that's the probable cause. And so- they can't compel you to speak. Now you could be you could be a uh, a person of interest. You can also be a person that gets you you can be compelled to speak with a warrant. You can be, but but you can also you, you have there has to be a whole lot that compels you. And then what you speak about and how you speak to it, you don't have to speak anything. They can they can allow you to bring an attorney. They say, yeah. well, you, oh, you're going to have to talk to us because we know you were there. Well, I don't want to talk to you. I want my attorney. Okay, well then go get your attorney. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because you know we're we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna interview you, and if they have enough to arrest you, see that's the arrest warrant. See the authority that they have is an arrest warrant. So if they got an arrest warrant, they can bring you in. You don't have to you don't have to speak, but they can bring you in. And again, they they can't make you speak, but they can certainly arrest you. But they have to have enough without you speaking. They have to have enough on you to even issue an arrest warrant. So they can't do that. They can't compel you to come in. And again, an attorney. If you have an attorney, the attorney then becomes your spokesperson and then uh, can 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 make a way for you to have a conversation that kind of, you know, you know, basically controlling what is talked about and how it's how it's presented. But you, you see my point on that, Catherine? I mean, that's the whole thing with warrants and warrantless and getting back to the Durham report, you know, how they you know, how they actually went through this. I mean, the FBI and and and. And, you know, Clyde Smith and the FBI was, in fact, indicted. And that's the point we can't miss that. I mean, Kevin Clyde Smith worked for the FBI. He's the one uh, he's the one who basically lied to the federal court with a phony story to get the FISA warrant. He altered the reports that proved Carter Page was not an asset of the CIA when Carter Page was an asset. You see, if he was, they wouldn't have gotten the warrant. So he had to hide that. So he went to jail. What, what was the motivation for the FBI to do that? You see, what our listeners need to understand is what was the motivation that the FBI had to go after Trump like that, to go after Carter Page like that, to go after him for, on a fake crime, a crime that wasn't even real. Right. You know, this is what we got to understand. They went after Trump for a crime that wasn't even real. And this is what I mean by the overreaching. This is precisely what I mean by that. But that's they what our create- listeners, this is what I don't want us to miss on all of this, is the FBI went all out to doctor a FISA warrant, okay, to get Carter Page awarded to basically go after Trump for a crime that wasn't even real, that they knew wasn't real. Right. And then the indictment up in New York, that that thing, he was, it, it wasn't even in the statute of limitations anymore. Right. That was completely overreach and completely unconstitutional. Well, it was Whatever no was like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. When Alvin Bragg laid out the indictment, you know, there was no crime in the indictment. So a reporter asked him, said, why didn't you lay out a crime in the indictment? Because I don't need no stinking crime. That's a little bit of a paraphrase, but I don't need a crime. Yeah. Well, yes, you do. And and it comes that- down to this. That with Kevin Kleinsmith, what was his motivation? Now, this guy went to jail 
instead of telling authorities what his motivation was. This is the deep state. He has a tremendous fear of the deep state. He knows revealing who it was that gave him the motivation he needed to alter the FISA warrant, okay, to offer the to offer the documents to get the FISA warrant, to alter the story, if you will. It was, I mean, this whole thing was a lie. And they, yes. and literally, this is the part we can't miss. The FBI pursued Trump under a lie that they knew was a lie. They used it as political cover. I, I just cannot get past that. And so I've lost so much confidence in our legal authorities right now, because quite frankly, and now watching the, the FBI with Merrick Garland uh, issuing recommendations, okay, to label parents at school board meetings, you know, threats to, 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 to democracy or terrorisms, okay, because after all, he, you know, they, they, they want to have control over what their children learn, and we're going to have to get to this parental rights stuff in the next show we've got coming up. Uh, the, the watchman that'll be on at one o'clock. We'll get to that. Cause I'm sorry, folks, we didn't get that to now. But but I mean, that's the whole point here. We're we're looking at the the fact that Durham uncovered those very basic specifics, and now he's going to now he's going to publicly testify to Congress, revealing the corruption in the FBI. And it's going to be interesting to find out exactly what if what he has in that report as his rationale and reasoning that that propelled the FBI to break the law. And this, my friends, is where we have to leave it. I apologize. we got to leave it there. But we're going to pick up this discussion more on our show at 1 p.m., The Watchmen. So tune in later uh, for that show, uh, The Watchmen, that'll be on at 1 p.m. right here on 1180 WFYL. Folks, thank you for being with us and for spending your Saturday mornings with us on these beautiful global, global warming Saturdays. Um, it's a great. It's been a great last three years with uh, with the warmer weather here on the East Coast. We've loved it. So thank you, folks, for being with us. See you next week on the Point for Catherine Cog. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.